Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is T. Frank Carr. And it's time to talk some Penn State football. T. Frank, we were talking prior to starting our recording. Thank goodness these Penn State Nittany Lions keep getting commits. They keep giving us something to talk about, don't they? Yeah. um, As of right now, up to 20 commits in the class after getting three receivers last week. So uh, pretty good haul for the Nittany Lions so far. Um, and, And over the next, you know, at this point, week and a half, lot is going to be decided about, I think, the how the perception of the 2024 class, because, you know, this is the time of year where the, the top prospects that have a lot of different options and are being considered by a bunch of top schools, they 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 wait, you know, like there are the the Quentin Martins of the class, the John Mitchells, the high four star players that decide to commit early. But, you know, a good chunk of the the to the the names choose to commit after their official visit. So. The dice are going to fall, and we're going to find out here in a couple of weeks, but in the next week and a half. But this is this is the time of year where uh, all that stuff, all that information. Uh, one of my one of my coworkers said, like it's just it's like being on call. Like you don't know what's going to happen, but you know you're pretty sure something's going to happen over the next couple of weeks. And the timing makes sense. This is in June is that month where they're making all those official visits. It's smart. Wait till then to make your call. So. Let, let's talk. Let's start with that. Those commitments of the wide receivers, as I've been saying all along, we keep talking about there being zero players in that commitment list of wide receivers. Now, in the span of just a couple days, we end up with three of them. And T. Frank, it's up to you to tell us what exactly the Nittany Lions got with these three receivers. Let's start with Tyzer Denmark. He's the recruit out of Philadelphia who was committed pretty early to Oregon. And as I keep saying, when he makes the decommitment announcement while he's visiting Penn State, that was a pretty good sign for the Nittany Lions. But just what exactly is Penn State getting with Denmark? Uh, They're getting a really unique player that has a unique skill set. So he's 5'10", 185 pounds, well-built, smaller player with some of the most unique transition skills that I've seen in terms of short area quickness and the ability to uh, create separation in in small spaces. So all those things point to a slot receiver, but he wins wherever he is on the football field in high school. And I, I don't want to peg him as only a slot receiver at the next level. I think give him the opportunity to find you know a home maybe on the outside as a as a Z receiver, um, but that's that's kind of the skill set you're working with is an ultimate separator. Some of his change of direction ability is really the hallmark of what he does, um, and a good receiver. You know, good hands. I haven't seen any issue with drops, concentration drops. He's he has the ability to catch outside of his frame, um, which always helps. I always say you can't. You, you, you can't play small. You can be small, but you can't play small. And I'm not saying he's a 5'8 receiver or anything like that, but he is not the 6'1", 6'2", big-bodied guy that you would say is like, that's a number one receiver. So, you know, for where he is in the on 300 as a, um, 
top 300 player. I think he's uh, he's he's a very um, specific skill set in terms of what he does really well stands out. I, I kind of like it when a guy has a unique calling card. So he has a lot of the, the markers of a guy that is going to be successful at the next level. Uh, and Penn State uh, does a good job flipping him from Oregon. Yeah, they, they did. There was a lot to talk over the last couple of weeks about him flipping. It, as I said, it became obvious once he visited Penn State and decommitted from Oregon. So this is a wonderful get on multiple levels. Highly ranked Pennsylvania player, highly yeah. ranked Philadelphia player. Those those are all good things. And the fact that he's a wide receiver and Penn State had a great need there. The next guy up is Peter Gonzalez. I'm intrigued by him because he's that bigger receiver. We haven't yet seen, or at least over the last couple of years, that larger receiver be successful at Penn State. He comes in at six foot three, two hundred pounds. Um, he's listed as a three star, but I know he also had some injury issues his senior year, which could affect that rating. But based on his offers and Penn State seemed to really want him, is he better than that three star rating, T Frank? Yes. It's kind of interesting going from Tysier Denmark, who at one point was a top one fifty player um, probably didn't develop the way that uh, a lot of predictions might entail. You know, some of his speed and testing numbers never really reached the area you would expect, and and you know, kind of fell because of that. And for for a number of factors, not necessarily that he was um, you did anything wrong, just how guys develop and that part of his game. He's got good speed, but he's not maybe the electric superstar speed guy, you know, with, with his unique skill set. So he, he dropped a little bit for a couple of different reasons in the on 300. Peter Gonzalez is the opposite of that, where he's been ranked pretty low, I would say, compared to his skill set. And that is going to change. That is absolutely going to change. And uh, for and no reason other than he's an insane athlete. When you put together the composite of what he's able to do physically and some of the testing numbers that we verified at Blue White Illustrated, these are these are wide receiver one uh, characteristics. You you said it earlier. Penn State hasn't gotten a guy that has the size and all of the other things. So um, reportedly, you know, he he runs uh, a four four nine or something like that at a camp in the spring. Comes to Penn State, runs a four five, um, and looks really good. Six foot two, two hundred pounds. Um, you mentioned the injury. One of the things I was most impressed with is like he couldn't get in football shape last year because of the injury. Um, and then you see him at Penn State and he is lean. He is physically impressive. Uh, he put in the work to get better, you know, both as a receiver and also physically. Um, but the thing that separates him, because you you can be big and you can have good hands and you can still be slow. And that's that's kind of a, a problem. Um, but if you can't be explosive, that's the number one trait for an elite player in my opinion is just explosiveness speed is great but the ability to create that burst and to create a, a change in your uh you know your your speed profile within a within a play to surprise a, a defender or to surprise a receiver to make up ground to create that separation um 10 over a 10 foot broad jump you know i was talking to his dad uh unconfirmed 38 inch vertical you know somewhere 37 38 inch vertical so you've got a guy who can jump, who can run, and is explosive. 
And when you, the composite of all of those things is, is, is way higher than a three star. Then you turn on the film and you see him just make plays where maybe it's not an ideal situation. He, he doesn't catch everything that comes his way, but he catches some crazy passes. Uh, great tenant chance. You know, here's another thing about he's got receivers, NFL receiver sized hands. So I, he's, he's a guy I'm, I have a hard time not getting too excited about because obviously the film is going to be one thing watching him play on one leg essentially last year because he came back early from an ACL injury and still put up numbers, still performed, still showed this sneaky athleticism that was obscured a little bit by the injury. So a lot of those factors led to him not being highly ranked because, you know, when there's hundreds of thousands of athletes to rank, you're looking for reasons to not pay attention to somebody. You got to pay attention to Peter Gonzalez now. Um, You know, the numbers he's put up this offseason, the testing numbers, and then watching him catch balls and and be effective despite not being fully healthy. it, It all points to this is a guy that is way underrated and might be the steal of the class, especially given Penn State's need for receiver and a bunch of other factors. Now, here's the thing. He is not uh, a a finished product. He's not a polished product. There are still holes in his game. But, you know, that's what I'm looking at, these these athletic profiles. I'm always looking for, like, what's the fatal flaw? What's the flaw that is going to make a guy maybe not be the player that you can project him to be? And I don't... I don't see a whole lot. Even here's the thing. Guys that have these skills of explosiveness, straight line speed, size, good hands, and, uh, you know, a a good feel for the position. They can not turn particularly well. They can not make lateral cuts pretty well and still be an effective receiver. I mean, I don't always want to make this comparison, but Chris Godwin went in the third round because his, his change of direction numbers at the combine weren't great. And he's turned into one of the better slot receivers in the NFL because he's a really good receiver. And uh, Peter Gonzalez has the outline. Like if you were to make an outline, a sketch of that type of receiver, that's what he is. So I, I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very bullish on his, his potential. Um, and we got to see more. We have to see more to verify all these things. But they're there. They're absolutely there. It'll be interesting to see now healthy how he performs now in his senior year. And if if he would get that fourth star, which is irrelevant at this point. Penn State wanted him. They got him. The final guy is Josiah Brown. He is a four-star. He's out of New York, listed, I see, at six foot, 170 pounds. What do you see with him, T. Frank? So we talk about what Penn State has gotten over the last couple of years um, in terms of receivers, and that's that's what Josiah Brown is. Speed, agility. Movement skills are all great. He's a track athlete with sub 11 second 40 times. That's always what you're looking for is like, you, you don't necessarily need to have the guy that's 10, five, but consistently fast um, and got better this spring as you know, the weather in New York improved. I like all of those things. I also like the fact that he plays safety and I, I'll be honest. He's one guy that I haven't, I've, I've not dug into his tape fully yet there's been so many other things going on so many other camps i haven't had a chance to really dig into his film past the highlight film but on the highlight film a lot of plays at safety so if you're saying a track guy with speed that's willing to hit and willing to get hit um that's a really great combination of a guy that's going to be a good football player as long as all the other things check out and that's the area to to learn a little bit more about what are his hands like i you don't see any overt route running skills on his uh on his film but the basis, the DNA of what he is, is a good route runner because he's got that agility, change of direction skills, speed. 
um, get the ball in his hands and he runs away from people. That's another great sign. So a little bit undersized, 5'11", uh, not, a, not a huge framed guy. And that was the goal this offseason for Penn State was to get bigger at receiver. I would say between these three guys, getting Peter Gonzalez is so important to that particular conversation. But overall, Penn State still needs more to get bigger at receiver and have more of a physical presence. Two of these guys, I've said, you know, the X and the Z and the Y and all that stuff we talk about, that, that's all great. Um, it, it, once you get to Penn State, it doesn't really matter. But what they need to get is more guys that have X and Z body types than guys that have Z, maybe Y body types. You know, that slot receiver. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not, not Y as a tight end, but that internal slot receiver. They need to get more guys that can play on the outside at either position. Uh, they got that with Peter Gonzalez. We'll see with the other two. I think it can go either way with those guys. Very good, T. Frank, that's it for quarter number one. Lots more to go. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with T. Frank Carp. T. Frank, we spent quarter uh, number one talking about potential new Penn State Nittany Lions. We talked about the three wide receiver commits from last week. Hopefully come December, they'll all put their signature on the commitment and That's a make great it point. official. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point. Like, yeah, we always get excited about these commitment, uh, verbal commitments, but uh, you know how that works. Uh, yeah, there, there's always that possibility. What What I do like about these three is they are all they're local, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, New York, so they're within the region. So I think they're the guys that are more likely to stay on. You worry more about the remote guys. We are going to shift, though, from the potential future Nittany Lions to a current Nittany Lions, someone who's actually been around for, uh, for quite a while, and that is Curtis Jacobs. 
a week ago, or in the last few days, T. Frank, you did a nice article on him, which I found really fascinating, so I wanted to talk to you about it here. And Curtis Jacobs, as I said, been around for a while, got a little overshadowed last year by Abdul Carter, but let's start with this. Curtis Jacobs, he had a decision to make last year, which was go to the NFL or return for another season. He chose returning for another season, which had to thrill Penn State fans. My question is, was that the right decision for him? I think so. Yeah, I, I think that that was the right decision uh, in terms of the, the year he had last year and his potential to continue to develop. Um, it's always here's the thing. It's always to me a, a tough thing to say that a kid should come back to, to school. Now with NIL, that makes it a little more palatable, but um, there's there's a bunch of different factors that go into this that I've been I think are a little bit understated. You you mention Abdul Carter as like this this driving force in this story, and I don't think people appreciate what Curtis Jacobs did for the team last year. So. Coming back is not just about him getting better. It's also about coming back into the situation, into the environment where he kind of took one for the team last year. So I, I just, I, I've been fascinated with his story. You know, full disclosure, uh, he's he's a friend of the show. You know, he's a friend of my show. He, he's, he's a fan of the show. So like we have a very good relationship. Um, but I also respect him for who he is as, as a person and as a football player and as a leader to do all the things he did last year. Um, and, 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 we can get into some of that here in this segment about some of the nuances that I think exist that people maybe aren't fully aware of when it comes to the decisions to go to the NFL or to stay. Um, but, you know, he, he was more than talented to, enough to go to the NFL last year, chose to come back and get better instead of going as, as a mid-round linebacker. He wanted to come back and improve, and I I respect that, you know, to to want to work on your craft and see that the story isn't fully complete and that you don't have an overinflated sense of who you are um, or just want to go and not listen to other people. I think he's an incredibly introspective, mature guy who listened to advice and then came back and has applied all of that advice to get better in every facet of his game. And I'm excited to see kind of the fruits of all those labors this fall because I think it's going to be uh, highly entertaining to watch. First of all, T. Frank, you're right about, you know, outsiders commenting on whether a player should have gone to the NFL or not. I think you have to make, and I didn't do this, but make the question more about was it a smart decision as far as could he improve his draft stock by coming back? Right. There are some players where... You know, and part of it is positional. Would they be able to improve the draft stock by coming back or not? The business aspect of the decision. But I want to hit on something you alluded to, that he took one for the team last year. And part of that was accommodating the fact that Abdul Carter came in. Mm -hmm. And he switched sides as far as being an outside linebacker is not the same on both sides. There is a difference. Knuckleheads like me say, oh, there's a middle linebacker, there's two outside linebackers, but there's more to it than that, isn't there? Yeah, so this is not a hard and fast rule. Um, Penn State has had linebackers that have played that Sam linebacker position as a senior. That's the uh, that's the, the field linebacker, the, the long side of the field in college. Um, so Cam Brown went to the Giants and was drafted in the fifth round. He played Sam linebacker 
at Penn State. So this is, I'm not saying this is an absolute every single time rule, but generally what happens is Penn State doesn't recruit those field linebackers. They recruit guys they think can grow into being a will linebacker. So you have your, just as a review, I know we've talked about this before, but the Sam is the outside linebacker to the, the coverage side, I'll call it, the long side of the field. And then you have two box linebacker positions, the will linebacker, the weak side linebacker, and then the middle linebacker. So what happens is in the NFL, the Sam linebacker doesn't exist the way it does in college. The, the, the field is different. The hashes are closer together. So you don't have these in, intense differences in length of the field. Plus, the NFL has gone to a more, excuse me, one second, has gone to a more sub-package NFL. <laughs> the NFL has gone to a more sub-package NFL where, where cornerbacks are uh, the, the dominant package. You have slot corners on the field more often. So really, there's only two linebacker positions in the NFL. Penn State moves Sam linebackers as they mature into the box to play will. And there is this kind of sub culture in football where like the real ones go to the NFL after three years. Last year, Curtis Jacobs made that transition from the, the Sam linebacker to the will in the offseason to Manny Diaz's defense. It was his year to shine, essentially, like, you know, Brandon Smith the year before him. Now it's his turn. And Abdul Carter being 235 pounds walking in the door, he's not he's not a Sam linebacker. He started at the will because he's a big dude. The thought is, as we've talked about, maybe a lot more than than, you know, anything else. He might be that middle linebacker in the future. But to accommodate the defense and to get Abdul on the field, Curtis took one for the team. And he that spotlight position of the will linebacker, the playmaker, he gave that up full time to move over and play hybrid both Sam and will. Because he still he still trained he still played half the time at the will position, but then he's transitioning back into a position that doesn't really translate to the NFL, doesn't really um, showcase your ability to play in the box, and he did that so the team could win and so that the best players could get on the field. Um, he's a veteran that did that for a freshman, so Penn State was better last year because of that. But that was a sacrifice on his part in in a year where he is supposed to shine and showcase his his skills to the NFL. And he said, you know, I'll do whatever it takes to, for this team to win and gave up some of that platform so they could play better. He plays very well at that field linebacker position. He, he you know, as a former safety, he's very good at it. But he needed to show that he could play in the box to be an NFL linebacker to go second, third round, wherever he would go as a linebacker. So, you know, just from that perspective, I, I respected that in the middle of the season. I actually said a couple of times, I can't believe they did that. I can't believe they moved the veteran to to accommodate the freshman. But uh, not every player would do that, and not every player would then do that and then stay, you know, to come back. And that's the situation still this year. What is the, what is the linebacker combination? Because Abdul Carter didn't go anywhere, and the the – position flexibility ambiguity it still remains he needs to show that he can play in the box he can play through contact and he can be a down in and down out linebacker with the physicality of playing between the tackles is he going to get that opportunity um you know i talked to him about that and and he's very you know that's a state secret for the for the football team they're not going to talk about where guys are playing but he said i'll do whatever it takes for the team to win so you know i just from that perspective i respect a guy who is talented he is an nfl talent but he acknowledged there are areas he wanted to get better and he wanted to do it where he's been he's been working the last couple of years. And that's really the situation we set up for the fall is kind of this 
question mark of how they're going to use these linebackers. Cause I believe like the number one goal is you can't take either of those guys off the field and they kind of play the same position. So how are you going to make all that work? And it's, it's a fascinating subplot going into 2023. And it will be interesting to see the difference though, is going into this season, Manny Diaz knows what he has as good as Abdul Carter showed a year ago before the season started you didn't really know for sure till he got on the field. Now they know all of that. Another part of your story that I was impressed with, uh, T. Frank, is physically how Curtis Jacobs improved himself during the offseason. It's not unusual to see a large weight gain for the young players when they first hit collegiate uh, weightlifting and uh, nutrition and all that. But he actually put on 10 pounds, and he maintained his speed. Yeah, so that was another thing. Really, where a lot of this started is seeing him in February after that lifting period where we hadn't seen these guys in a couple of months. He looked like a different player. You know, I actually confused him with somebody else because he had gone undergone such a a physical transformation. He is he is noticeably larger in areas that are really important. You know, his his lower body is more developed. He's a little bit broader in the shoulders. He looks more like a linebacker now, I think maybe than he ever did in his career. And, you know, talking to him this offseason, that's been a focus of like getting better and improving himself and improving the team in every single aspect. Um, you know, I, I think football players really, they, they, they feel like the mental side is underrated because you see all the physical stuff, right? The physical stuff is tested. And it's, it's also certain things they can't really control. What they can control is how they've developed mentally. But he's done both. So he's 238 now. He's, you know, I think comfortable linebacker size for people that want traditionally sized linebackers. And uh, he's also mentally developed. He's talking about how he's, uh, he's studying offense now. He's trying to understand not just the defense and how it's supposed to function, but what he's going up against and how to counter that on a cerebral level. So... You know, he talked about getting better through contact, his speed improved, all of these areas. Like, this all sounds like a Will linebacker to me. 238, runs a 446. Um, you know, he's trying to understand the offensive blocking schemes on a, on a deeper level to understand these triggers and, and areas where he can gain an advantage from a mental perspective. Uh, it's going to be very, like I said a couple minutes ago, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see how Penn State uses these assets that they have where they've got two legitimate, NFL linebackers that play the same position and uh, they've got to figure out how to get them on the field and use their skills together. Third down is another super interesting thing because ultimately with all of this stuff, the NFL will find talent. Curtis is not, if he doesn't play will linebacker full time, but he still has an excellent season. Teams aren't dummies. They're going to be able to figure out, okay, we can apply him in these areas and we're going to, we see him as a will linebacker. There've been examples of guys that have played that wherever and then found their way to their NFL home. Um, so he's done everything this off season to make sure he puts himself in a position to shine for Penn State. And I think, you know, we talk a lot about Carter and his ascendance this year. I don't think we should forget about Curtis Jacobs and what he's been able to do uh, at Penn State. Very good T. Frank. That is it for quarter number two. Stick around. Your questions are next. We're going to ask T. Frank. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. 
Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante. He is T. Frank Carr. This is quarter number three of our show, which means it's time to ask T. Frank. This is where we take your questions for T. Frank. He gives us the perfect answer to every single question you have about football and life in general. At the end of the segment, T. Frank will pick out a best question, and they will win the prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com, the great barbecue sauces and rubs, especially those new coffee barbecue rubs. T. Frank, are you ready, my friend? I hope so. I, I genuinely hope so, because we're, we're on the radio. There's no going back now. <laughs> well, let's hit it. All right. Let's start with Larry from Huntington, who says, this is timely considering our Q1 segment. Larry says, do you have a favorite among the new wide receiver commits? Uh, I wouldn't say. So this is always interesting. Uh Defining favorite, and I'm not going to be obnoxious about it. The, the answer is Peter Gonzalez. I like, I like players that I feel like have superstar upside. And that's not surprising. I want to watch cool things. You know, you know, I'm not a, I don't root for Penn State. I don't, you know, follow the team with, with the, the fandom in mind. But I like good football. Um, and I think of the three guys, Peter Gonzalez has that superstar quality. You know, he has those, those outlandish, combination of of physical gifts now Tyser Denmark is a better receiver right now he is a better he is a great package he could easily be you know the next whomever you want to compare him to but just that size the the kind of unique gifts that Peter has and and what I see in his film of weird catches where they're just they're you know those those difficult one-handed above the rim sort of things I love that. That's fun to watch. So I would say Peter Gonzalez is the guy that I would say if I favorite, he, I think he has the highest ceiling and has a good chance of reaching those superstar potentials, you know? 
maybe the wording would be better if it's the most interesting of them. Yeah. And if if you, I suggest Larry, if you hadn't, go back and uh, listen to the Q1 segment where T. Frank gave us essentially a scouting report on all three, and it seemed like couldn't say enough good things about Peter Gonzalez. He's made me as a Penn State fan, okay, which I am. I was excited about it. Can't wait. It's going to be another year and a half till we see him in the Penn yeah. State uniform, but Here, I can't wait to see him, T. Frank. Here's the thing, and this is this is the unfair part. Tysier Denmark, and I don't want to exclude Josiah Brown, but I also I don't want to speak through ignorance about like what he is and isn't yet, like I said. Um, the The thing with players that are developed is you can see more clearly what they are and what they aren't. And Peter, with the injury and with his tape being kind of incomplete, you can you can uh, fill in the gaps. And I'm a positive person. I, I think I am. I try to be a very positive person. So for these kids, like, I assume the positive. So it's easier for me to see, like, Peter Gonzalez as a superstar receiver because all the things he maybe isn't good at, I'm projecting him getting better at those things. And with the things that I know about him, that makes the the picture great. Um, but that is unfair because Tyser Denmark, he is a very complete receiver. Um, but there are the obvious limitations that are his size and maybe some of the other things about his game that I just know more about. So it, it's easier to be maybe a little more critical or have a little more of a realistic viewpoint about those guys. And also, T. Frank, maybe part of this is what about a player ceiling? Right. Yeah. And, you know, uh, it sounds like Peter Gonzalez has the tools that the other guys don't have. Maybe he hasn't fulfilled that yet, but there's the potential there, a potential higher yeah. ceiling. And, and the, the last thing I'll on say, the uh, wide receivers, especially the incoming uh, with the question from Bob from Washington, PA, who says with three wide receivers committed, Will they still go for more? Will there be four? Will there be five? And is Marsh still a possibility? Uh, so, uh, so yeah, they will definitely go for more receivers. You know, there's there's some highly rated recruits. There's some guys that are very high on their board that they want that are still out there. When it comes to Dick Marsh and will they, won't they? Um, that's you know, Ryan Snyder and and Sean Fitz do a great job of of informing people on those things. That's not something that I'm, I am I do. I look at the film and I tell you what they are and aren't and what they could be at the next level. Um, but they will definitely get more receivers. I did want to say one more thing, and I'm sorry to keep going back to this, but uh, I feel like I've done a disservice to Tysier Denmark by you know this comparative thing, right? Tysier Denmark makes so many plays on film. Like He is a dude that makes plays. So if I'm saying like Peter Gonzalez has a higher ceiling or whatever, it's, he's 6'2". And he's got you know maybe a little bit more of those characteristics of of a traditional number one wide receiver. But Tyser Denmark, it, when it comes down to it, you're trying to make plays. So the three guys they have right now, I think they have a very strong class. But yes, I again, Chance Robinson, he's a guy from Florida that they're very interested in. St. Thomas, they have a good relationship with the St. Thomas Aquinas in Florida. That that school, that staff, um, he's an option. Uh, Nick Marsh is an option. And both those guys, going back to what we said before, they want to get bigger. They want to have more physicality at receiver. Both those guys fit that that bill. Um, Marsh being 6'3", 
that's what you're looking for. So yes, they're still trying to get that size in this class. And I think they'll still, they might get one of them. They might get two of them, but they're still going to try and get more receivers for sure. And T Frank, uh, don't sell our listeners short. I think they understand sometimes, you know, some players are just more interesting than others, or they strike us the same way. We're not saying they're better players or disrespecting the other ones. It's just, it's, that's the way it works. Uh, let's go to Ray and Paoli, who says, T. Frank, my question is on the weight gain of some of the linemen. Do you feel the gains from uh, Akeem Beeman and uh, Vandenberg are significant enough to make a difference? And on the offensive line, is the weight gain just a, a temporary offseason thing, which they will lose through camp and the start of the season? That's the dirty secret about football. That's for everybody. It's not just for the <laughs> offensive linemen. It's for all of the football players. Uh, that's how that's how the sports science works. They want to get to a certain weight so that they can maintain as much as they can throughout the year. But yeah, guys lose 10 pounds, 15 pounds by the end of the season because they're running so much and they're not weightlifting. They're not, you know, that's that's kind of how the sports science works. So yeah, it's not just the offensive linemen. It's the every football player in all of football shrinks throughout the year. Um, it's only the really rare ones like a Micah Parsons that just walks around at 250 and is just a, a freak of nature. Like the, those are the guys that then kind of break the curve for everybody else. But um, yeah, I would say that the weight gain by the defensive line is important, but we, this is always the delicate balance because it is the thing we've talked about the whole time since James Franklin mentioned it. Uh, but it is not the only factor in this conversation about defensive tackle, they still have to be athletic. They still have to be able to move. They still have to be able to, to me, the most important thing, shed blocks, win your assignment. And just being bigger gives you more of a chance of doing that. It gives you more of the opportunity against different types of opponents to do that. So you go up against the Michigan and it's a physical game and they lean on you in the run game and you two out of three times, you're in your gap, you're holding your gap, and, and you're, you're making it hard for the running, to ma- running back to make a decision. But if you're a Hakeem Beeman and you lose one of those reps and you're trying to get in your gap and you can't get there because that guy has won this rep, what do you do then? When you're 280 pounds, you can hold the line a little bit better. You can maybe keep that gap from widening than you would be if you're 270 or 265 pounds. And that's really, it's it's just these small incremental differences that add up. So, you know, I, I don't want to beat a dead horse and play a broken record here, but everyone's focusing on those seven plays from last season and then, a you know, a handful of plays from 2021 as to this indictment on, on Penn State's defensive tackles. They needed to get bigger. They needed to make this change. They have made this change but it still doesn't guarantee that they're going to win in those environments because it's also about your technique, your length, your athleticism, your anticipation, your film study. To to quote James Franklin, it's all of it. You have to be great at football in order to win these great football games. They have given themselves another tool in order to do that. So yeah, I think it's encouraging, but it is not the final ingredient. It just gets them closer to where they need to be. You always got the impression when James Franklin was talking about getting bigger he was talking specifically to Akeem Beeman and that he was the guy that he really wanted to have get bigger, and, and he did. We'll see how that translates. Uh, let's go to our friend Jimmy in Forest City. He says, T. Frank, Drew Aller checks most of the boxes, height and weight, poison the pocket per James Franklin, strong arm, 
in-game experience as a freshman. But is there a metric related to throwing a catchable ball, and where does Drew stand? Something that folds in accuracy, hitting a receiver in stride. Is there a metric for passing velocity? I would imagine Drew is on the high end there, but does that make the ball more difficult to catch for some receivers? Um, I would say spin rate would be the the thing that makes the ball catchable, how tight of a spiral, how consistently it gets to the receiver in uh, you know, in a football shape instead of having a wobble to it. Uh there are some uh and none of it is widely available in terms of like data and metrics, you know. PFF has some advanced stuff that they, you know, that they write about, but they don't share through some of their more advanced data collection. Um, there's the NGS data and the the data you can gather through different means during practice with a chip in the ball and things like that. But that's all stuff that Penn State is, again, guarded like a state, state secret of here are the things that we are learning and tracking and, and getting from our data that will never be shared with with the public. Um, so there are areas where you can, you can test this stuff and you can improve it. Um, but I don't, I, I couldn't give it to you, uh, or, or relay any of that information about Drew Aller. It would all be off film and anecdotal evidence and things like that. You hear the expression though. He throws a catchable ball yeah. other than tight spiral. What does that mean? Uh, just the consistency of, uh, th- this is a, an area where it, it's receiver preference as well. But for the most part, a tight spiral with uh, the appropriate velocity for the route. So if you're throwing a slant route, you need to get it there quick, but you don't want to throw it so hard that he can't react to the football. You know, that pacing of the ball is really important for the appropriate situation. Um, and, and those are kind of the, the major tenets of throwing catchable ball is, is the consistency of the spiral. And then the velocity, is it appropriate for the situation? And then ball tracking deep down the field, do you throw a catchable arc? Things like that. T. Frank, I think you made a good point there when talking about appropriate velocity for the specific pass play. It's a little bit different throwing a little swing pass or screen pass versus that slant over the middle, what kind of velocity to put on the ball. That is it, though, for our Ask T. Frank segment. Stick around. Quarter number four, T. Frank will name our winner. Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's keystonesportsnetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. 
truststatecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We head to the home stretch in quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. He's T. Frank. I'm Jim. T. Frank, before we get into our fourth quarter topic, we need a winner from our Ask T. Frank segment. Who do you have? So I, I want to preface this, as I always do, with the, the evaluation of the questions because, you know, I can't let it go. Uh, I, I don't I, – I'm glad we talked about the weight gain conversation. Ray and Paoli is our winner. Um, I hope that throughout the discourse of talking about defensive tackles this offseason, we've had a deeper understanding of the situation. And it's not just size equals better – it's size equals the opportunity to be better. So, like, I'm glad we are having these nuanced conversations, but it does worry me that we're always coming back to the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over, and over again. Um, so we'll see. You know, we get to see during the football season whether or not who's who's right about that. Like, you have to be 315 pounds and be the the monster in the middle to be great at football, or you know, you have to be as big as you physically can be and have elite athleticism and be good at defensive tackle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I'm glad we're having that conversation. Uh, now, well, it's it's similar to the wide receiver conversation that you know Peter Gonzalez at six foot three has the potential to do some things that a five ten wide receiver just can't do, and I think it's the same way. But if he's not a good wide receiver, if he can't catch the ball, I don't care how tall he is. Yeah, it's the same way at defensive tackle. You know, there's a sense that you know. I'll take the good big man over the good not so big guy, but right. they better be able to play football too. But they better be is, good. Is the other part, yes, yes. <laughs> right. They better be good. My my brother uh, during draft season, I always know which player he's going to pick because he just picks the biggest, fastest, strongest testing guys, and I'm like, but are they good at football? You know, because we're Bills fans, and like, who's going to be the Bills pick? It's like, but are they good at football is always my question. He's like, this guy's six, four and he runs a four, four. And I'm like, he can't turn. I don't want him at corner. <laughs> we have the, we go back and forth about these things. Uh, but it, it size can be part of the equation. All right, let, let's move on to our uh, next topic, which is your lift for life takeaways. Now, which is all about size. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's why I'm laughing here to you, Frank, but yeah. it's, it's a worthy conversation. And I think yes. the other part to this is the limited access to the team at, at spring practice. You're not there at practice every day, watching the full practice. So just to have a look at these players up close like you get this opportunity at the Lift for Life event. So let's, you talked about a few players there. Let's hit that. Let's start with a guy we haven't talked much about, and I think sometimes somehow gets overlooked on this team, and that's Chop Robinson. There's mm-hmm. so many good players on the defense. I love Chop Robinson, T. Frank. We talked earlier about you want to be careful when you say, you like this player or not, it doesn't mean you, the other player's not good. But as I've mentioned to you before, on this show, we have man crushes, just yeah. specific players that 
Chop Robinson is one of those players I have a man crush on. Whenever I focus on him, he always does something good. Always, T. Frank. So let, I'll turn it over to you on it. But uh, he's made some changes. He's working on some things during the offseason. So he played last year at 240 pounds, a little undersized for a defensive end, according to, you know, he got here at 240 last year. And I'm sure he put on a couple of pounds during the brief time he had before the football season. He's 255 now. Um, and he had one of the better pass rushing seasons from an effectiveness perspective, as you just pointed out. Like you watch the film, you look at the advanced metrics, you look at the pressure rate, the quality of the pressure. He had one of the best pass rushing seasons for a Penn State defensive end. Um, under James Franklin, and he did it at 240 pounds. He's 255 now. And I asked him, sometimes I, I try to ask dumb questions to get an answer. Um, and I asked him like, hey, so I think a lot of people would think, you know, get bigger versus the run, but how does that help you? Does it help you as a as a pass rusher? Obviously it does. Because he he was winning last year and playing well through contact without all of the tools that he will have this year. So 15 pounds bigger, I mean, again, just watching him walk around with those things beside his head. I mean, his traps have doubled in size. They, they become like they have their own gravity as he walks around. <laughs> so he's he looks physically bigger. He looks more uh, robust. And, you know, the, the area that he can improve, I think, dramatically is the run game. So I don't want to I don't want to overlook that. But his his hand usage and his violence and his ability to shed blocks as a run defender. You saw the building blocks of that last year. He was not put in a position where he was the starter. You know, he still didn't start last year. That was Nick Tarburton. Now, Chop Robinson has the opportunity to be a complete defensive end and play both run and pass equally. He could have the best season of Penn State defensive end maybe ever. You know, he's got all of the skills with, with his ability to bend the corner, his ability to use speed. And as he said, you know, I think it's funny. His, his uh, I think his Twitter handle is Chop Young Bull. You know, Chop Robinson. And he was talking about like, you know, if you don't have strength, you can't really bull rush. So he's going to be a little more like his Twitter, Twitter handle this year. Basically is what he said. He's going to use more power. He's going to have more of a counter. That's awesome. Like from, a, again, from a watch cool stuff perspective, I, I think he has a legitimate chance to be a first round draft pick as a defense vet. Um, and and I, I'm excited to watch excellent football because he has the opportunity to rush over right tackles and dominate a lot of games. Going to be fun to watch this defense, specifically the defensive ends. The other name that you brought up was Landon Tengwall. I think we all expected a lot from him last year. He missed much of the season with injury. And I think this is something you brought up previously, T. Frank, on our show, that maybe he was already bothered by that injury and still playing earlier in the season. How is he feeling now? Is he 100% healthy? Well, according to him, it's the best his body has felt, is what he said. Um, so it's just, it's interesting. This is something I, I asked Chuck Losey kind of indirectly about Landon, because I don't want to ask about injuries and get a non-answer. But if you've got a guy that, you know, you know, we know he had season-ending surgery. How do you get those guys ready um, within the parameters of they can't do X, Y, or Z? And Landon looks good, but I wouldn't say he looks like the other offensive lineman we'll get to here in a second where he's just physically strapped up top and, you know, his legs are massive and all those things. He does look healthy. He looks better than he looked previously. But where is he on the Landon Tangwall trajectory of uh, where, where his potential is? I, I don't think he's fully back in terms of being able to weight train and being able to fully uh, regenerate his his talents that he had as a re as a freshman. 
So, you know, it's just, it's, it's an interesting, it's a, it's a dance that I think we don't talk about in terms of like injuries really affecting the off season and how much they affect the off season. But if he's on the football field, you do have to hold him in the standard of you're expected to perform and produce. So I'm just, you know, I want the context of that heading in the season to know what to expect from Landon Tangwall. And I think he's going to perform well. Uh, and I think he looks good, but I don't think he looks like Landon Tangwall. Oh boy, here he comes. This is a guy that's going to dominate and going to be the most physically imposing guy. I think he's going to be good because he's good at football and because he's healthy. I don't know that he's going to be good at football because he's a dominant physical presence like a Vega Ioane. We've talked about him that way, if that makes sense. Again, trying to add a little bit of nuance here without saying Landon Tangwall is not going to be good this year, but he's, you know, it will be, I'm trying to characterize what I'm expecting out of him in this situation. Well, you brought up that good point. If a player's dealing with an injury or coming off of an injury, there are going to be limitations to what he can do working out. I do want to hit the defensive line in some of those weight gains, but you made reference to the other players on the offensive line. And some of the weight gains, Sal Warmly is up 11 pounds, Caden Wallace up 13 pounds, Anthony Dunka up 14 pounds. Did you see any of those players, uh, T. Frank? And as you know, I talked about before, and our listener asked, is that just typical off-season weight gain, or are we seeing something of a difference among the offensive linemen? This is, so I don't want to be hypocritical here and say that, ah, don't worry about it. Cause this is something we track in the off season for the exact conversation we just had about Landon Tangwall. Is he going to be at peak performance or is he going to be a version of himself? So we're talking about these guys that have worked all off season to increase their muscle mass and decrease their body fat percentage for Caden Wallace. You know, I'll go to him directly because he is the biggest transformation being 341 pounds. He looks great. He looks fit. And these guys aren't just walking around with 10 pound weights in their pants, trying to be bigger, you know, on the day that they're weighed. Like this is a part of a intentional process to get as big and as strong as physical as possible while maintaining your athletic uh, movement skills. I don't know that it's going to change Caden Wallace, the football player. I think he still has those issues he has in his game of his lateral agility is not elite for a tackle. He's going to struggle against speed rushers from time to time. But if he's a better run blocker and he's a more physically dominant player in those situations where he's good, that's a huge benefit to the team, you know, providing a tangible benefit. And, you know, hopefully that allows you to mitigate your weaknesses where Penn State is always in second and four because he and Sal Wormley are bigger and stronger and moving guys off the ball. So they're not in third and six where they have to pure pass protect all the time. That's where all of these changes are going to to help. Um, and yeah, they all looked good. I uh, Penn State, the weightlifting program is excellent. None of these guys are getting fat. When you see weight gains, these are all muscle-dense people that have transformed their bodies. Theo, Theo Johnson is 260 pounds. He was insane to look at at, at, the, at the Lift for Life event. That's just a, a guy who is in the normal trajectory, I think, in the normal parameters of getting bigger. That's what they do in the offseason. They lift, they eat, they train. They lift, they eat, they train, they go to class. Um, and the, the, the fruits of these guys putting in the work and doing it the right way with the nutrition program that Penn State has implemented, I think you're seeing the benefit of it, that they're, they're having quasi-NFL-like uh, gains in the offseason, which is very hard to do for college players. Let's move to those defensive tackles. We're going to keep talking about them, T. Frank. Yep. Akeem Beeman, we know. He's up from 256 to 280-something. Jordan Vandenberg, 
286 to 301, hitting that magical 300-pound mark. Did you see these guys? How did they look? How good was that weight that they put on? So I, I sent out a tweet of Hakeem Beeman, and I just the, the caption was Hakeem Beefman because he's double the size of he was last year. So, yeah, and, and for some players, it's harder to maintain that weight. Hakeem Beeman, it's been harder for him to maintain that weight throughout his career where he has to be so much more intentional than other guys who are naturally thicker. He's a lean-built person that has the frame to be 280 pounds if he eats, sleeps, and trains. And and he did that this offseason. He applied himself and has seen the benefit of it. Jordan Vandenberg, he is a thick kid. Like, he is transformed from, uh, you know, Juco defensive end into a defensive tackle. Again, he's athletic. He moves with his hair on fire. He's an unbelievably strong. Is that enough to overcome the fact that he has short arms for the position? We'll find out. But they have done what they need to do to maximize their potential. He looked good. He looked bigger. They all looked bigger and stronger this uh, this this summer than they did previously when they were building up during the offseason. Very good, T. Frank. Thank you all for listening. That's it for our show. Be sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are. Hi, this is Dustin Hawkinsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.